One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're so excited to have you guys along. We've got a fantastic show planned for you today, and we're going to be jumping right into that. As usual, uh, it was a, a crazy week. It, you know, the, the weather in the United States has just been nuts. It's been uh, really wreaking havoc on travel plans. So, had, uh, had emergency meetings that were scheduled and then had to slide the, the calendar around and then missed flights and canceled flights and just ended up back home. It was a weird week, but uh, excited to be back here uh, with you guys, as always on a Friday, finishing off my week the way I want to do it, which is the work, with the work-life balance. This show it has been, to me, uh, feels like a lifetime in the making. It, 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 it's taken me about three years to get this guy actually across from me uh, to, to finally get his, his story on this show uh, and even turned into uh, uh, some funny stories that we won't get into. But, uh, you know, when we, when we see each other, there's some, there's some funny stories because of this. But uh, I, I can't wait to introduce you guys to, to this gentleman. He is a U.S. military veteran and retired law enforcement professional. He started as an officer with the Detroit Police Department, transferred to Arizona as a special agent with the Arizona Office of the Attorney General, and retired as a sergeant with the Goodyear Police Department. He's the founder and owner of a national training company called The Lead Company, and Lead is an acronym. He has leadership positions with multiple organizations. He assists with the U.S. military, state, and local law enforcement agencies, nonprofit organizations. He's a national leadership speaker and trainer, published author, certified pub, uh, professional behavior analyst, emotional intelligence analyst and trainer, and an executive director with my team, the, the John Maxwell uh, team. So let's get him on to the show finally. Daryl Rivers. What's up, brother? What's going on, buddy? Thanks for the intro, man. Uh, always good to spend some some QT with you, even if it's, you know, uh, on this show, man. I'm really excited about it. I think we're going to have a really good time today. Yeah, and so so just on the personal side, you know, the, the audience, I normally tell them where I'm going, what I'm doing. So when I was in Texas and I said I was at a friend's wedding and that there was a picture, it looks like uh, I'm a mafia boss coming out of that. That was your wedding, dude. It sure was. And you did look like the mafia boss. I, I must admit, <laughs> it was a really freaking cool picture, man. You, you look top notch, man. <laughs> we had a good time, but that, that, that's a story for another day. So talk to me, just to, just introduce yourself to the audience. Let them know about your military and law enforcement background, because we're going to get into that. We're going to chop that up a bit. Right on, man. Well, I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, when I say Detroit, Michigan, I really mean like inner city Detroit, Michigan, like just about as Detroit as Detroit can get. Uh, the movies don't do it any justice. I'll tell you that. Um but I ended up joining the military. When I was in high school, I, I realized that I don't want to spend too much time here. So before <laughs> I even graduated, I wasn't even old enough to sign up for the military. I went and I signed up and they had to come find my grandma and she had to sign a waiver saying it was okay for me to actually enlist. And uh, as soon as I turned 18, graduated high school, I went straight to the military. And what was crazy is that that was actually like my first time on an airplane was going to boot camp. So, man, it was, <laughs> oh, man. It was crazy. Got on the airplane, landed, did that whole boot camp thing. And, and you know, that was uh, <laughs> that was very interesting. And uh, I, my first duty station was in Japan. Wow. So they have these things, right? They have these things in the military. They call it a dream sheet. So when you're filling out your information on where it is that you would like to be stationed, you get to pick three places. So let me tell you, I picked uh, Philadelphia. I picked New York, and I picked Florida. And the reason why they call it a dream sheet is because they sent me to Japan. <laughs> you're going to be dreaming. Like, where would you dream to go, right? So I spent two years there, man. Absolutely loved it. It was good for me. Matured me real quick. And ultimately, after uh, two more years, after my two years in Japan, I got out and uh, joined the, the Detroit Police Department, dude. And there's, that's when the journey really began, bro. Uh, I, I became a the officer of the year, year 2000, and they said, hey, go wherever you want to go. So I picked the whole plainclothes thing, 
uh, drove around and just really chased it to really, really, really bad guys. And after a while, I realized that, man, uh, I don't know if I want to do this in Detroit any longer. It's time to relocate my life and moved out to Arizona. And there, that's when I became a special agent there. I supervised about 100 people, which was great. Had a lot of leadership mishaps and learned a lot of lessons. And then ultimately went to a, a smaller police department, became a supervisor, a hostage negotiator there, and a whole bunch of other things. And I retired in uh, 2014, man, and started the lead company. And so that's that's how you and I met. We met uh, at, at the John Maxwell team. And uh, I remember vividly, um, you were on stage talking about uh, riding a bicycle. So here's a guy who who has gone through, you know, yes. all of this military experience, law enforcement you know, experience, all that kind of stuff. But let, I mean, indoctrinate the the, the listeners, right? We only have a, a small amount of time. We'll bring you back, but, but give them the bicycle story, man. Give them, give that to oh, them. Wow. So yeah, this was crazy. So I remember getting a bike. I was six years old and the bike was, it was too big for me. I mean, I'm not a big person, but the bike was pretty big. And uh, I was, excited about it and the one day that i was trying to ride you know people were running behind you holding the, the the seat and everything obviously i didn't get it the first day and uh the next morning i woke up man and my bike was gone i'm like oh where's my bike where's my bike well my mother uh during that time was addicted to narcotics so whenever i got a bike she'd sell it so this went on for years until my teens so now here I am a teenager and I still don't know how to ride a bike. And how does that go over, right? Like, hey dude, yeah. uh, you busy today? Well, no, you wanna come over and teach me how to ride a bike? That, that, that conversation yeah. was never had, you know? So uh, I became, I joined the military, became a police officer. I was in great shape as an officer. And they say, hey, you could join the bike unit. And I'm like, no, I can't join the bike unit. You know what? <laughs> and I didn't know how to ride a bike. So uh, here I am, I'm a 30, I was a 30 year old man and my oldest daughter was five. And it was time for me to teach her how to ride a bike, but I didn't know how. So man, I was living in Arizona, I drove out to Walmart, I bought a bike, put it in the back of my Yukon and I drove out to the desert. And I, for three days, I would go out to the hot desert and teach myself to ride a bike. And dude, if you've never felt fallen, and uh, in July, in, in Arizona on the ground, oh my God, it was <laughs> 100 plus degrees. The ground was so hot and I'm at rocks and cacti and all kind of stuff like that. I literally beat myself up for three days until I learned. And once I learned, man, I took that information home and taught my kids how to ride bikes, dude. Yeah, that's it's such a cool story, and, and that, so that's that was my first introduction to you. And I, I remember coming up and, and introducing myself to you and saying, "I got this radio show. I want you to come do." And that yeah. that started our friendship. That that I, I feel like has been accelerated through through dog years. I mean, I feel like I've known you my whole life, and it's been like three and a half years, right? It's it's crazy, but um, no. So I, I wanted the the audience to hear that and just kind of hear, you know, and you threw a couple comments in there about your mom. Um, and you just kind of glided over that, but you came up, I mean, through just really tough times. Yeah, it was, it was really rough, you know? Uh, and, and the thing about it is that I know a lot of people say, Hey, if you can go back and change any of that, would you? Well, of course you wouldn't want to go through the specifics. You wouldn't want to go through it, but you don't want to negate the result of what you went through. So in my life, you know, I'm at a point right now to where I can say, you know what? I'm kind of glad I went through that because I, I wake up every morning. I kind of like me, you know, I, I like the person that I am. Unfortunately, there were some things that I went through. I remember, Rick, I remember, man, like I would be locked in a house for like two or three days. I was like six, seven years old, dude. And, you know, back in the day, they used to have those, those deadbolt locks that were really high and, you know, they locked the door. And if you don't have the key to it, you're not getting out, period. Yep. So my mother would lock that door. She'd go out and do her thing, go on her binge or whatever it was. And I'm stuck in the house and there's no food. And it's during our school week. So I remember specifically having to bust out windows, crawl through, and I'm cutting my, I'm, I'm, I'm a kid. I don't know how to properly bust out a window and get out of it. You know, so I'm cutting myself up, getting in and out of this window. But I would go to school, not because I was just starving for education, 
but I went to school literally because I was starving. I knew I could eat lunch at school, man. <laughs> so I, I would go, I would literally go to school to actually have some type of social activity and actually eat food. You know, so I remember those days, man. I remember uh, the, the drug infested apartment buildings, man, going to school, stepping over people who are passed out and sometimes actually OD'd in the hallway and I'm stepping over them and no one will call the police until a body starts stinking, man. So it was definitely uh, something that required a lot of mental toughness, uh, but it has put me in a position now to where it's, man, I, I, I think I'm the calmest person I know, man. I don't, I don't get riled up and anything like that, or, you know? And I certainly can vouch for that, man. It, you know, I love the perspective of, you know, could you change anything and would you? We would always want to go back and try to fix that pain, but but a lot of our growth and a lot of who we are came out of that pain. So we're gonna we're gonna figure out what you did with that, how you leveraged your your military career, law enforcement career into the leadership company that you're running now. We're gonna do that right after a break. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive. And today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile. And there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management. From CA. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back with the second segment of the Work-Life Balance this week. We're talking with Daryl Rivers. Daryl owns and, and runs the lead company. And that's an acronym though, right? What because it's all capitals and periods. What is what does LEAD stand for, Daryl? LEAD stands for Leadership, Education, and Development. You know, uh, I, I, and I love it. You know, uh, you know, sometimes we want to come up with cool names and everything like that. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talk about training. And, and even though training is an identifier for what kind of thing that you do, I like to think that we develop people, but we, we kind of like train our animals, you know, but yeah. we develop people. So I really want to make sure that whatever it is that we came up with, that it had that development piece to it. 
so you, you transitioned out of military and law enforcement and found this need. And so now you're, you're getting these contracts all over the, over the world, really, on de-escalation techniques. So tell me how you leveraged, you know, what you learned in the military and law enforcement to what you're doing today. Right on. Well, I can tell you that the number one thing that you learn, well, I can say me, because I'm sure other people learn different things. But dealing with government for like over 20 years, you learn that you can't just fire people, right? You can't fire them. I mean, in the military, I mean, what am I going to do? Just fire a dude? I can't. I don't control any of that. I mean, it's people that want to get out that can't. So yeah. <laughs> you learn to deal with what you have, number one. Okay. And, and I think that, you know, military leadership can be very simple if you're simple. So in the military, I can say, go do this because I said so. And if I got ranked, they have to do it because I said so. On the flip side of that, you know, you realize that you can't just pick who you want. You're going to be given a certain crew to accomplish a certain mission in a specific time frame. And the development of those individuals, you have to ensure that you are, are pouring uh, that component in there, that development. So the thing that, that I've learned, specifically in the military, is that development is key. But when you transition that into uh, a business factor, it's easier in business to say, hey, I, you know what? I can buy a better team. I can buy a better you know, uh, a more talented person. Whereas in the government, you can't just buy better. You have to develop better. So the number one thing I learned from leaders was, was leadership. But nowadays, everyone is teaching leadership. Every, oh, everyone tries to teach leadership. And, and sometimes the market to purchase leadership uh, ideals or purchase leadership curriculum is slim because everyone is doing it. So I do it from a communicative basis and a de-escalation basis to whereas I do teach de-escalation, which is basically a higher form of communicating, but we all know that leadership is influence. So if I'm de-escalating a person, I'm actually leading them out of their emotional state into a more logical state instead of just coming with logic right off the bat. Well, there's, there was a lot to unpack there. So first, you know, the, the, the concept of you know, not being able, I, I see both sides of it, but I, I like the government side a little bit better in the sense that you're right. They, they can't be fired for, you know, for, for several reasons. Right. But then I feel like on the business side, people give up on people too quickly. Right. So, I, I mean, I can see like both aspects of that. But um, when you start to talk about de-escalation, um, especially, I, I love the fact that you're saying that that's leadership through influence to really get you into a better state of mind. So, yes. so talk about, you know, I mean, you are a hostage negotiator for crying out loud. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what are some of those techniques or things that, that you suggest to, to help people start to calm down out of that emotional state? And I know there's thousands, but what, what are a couple of your favorites? Well, my, uh, just understanding what's happening. When you understand what's happening, you can basically craft your approach. So what we experience as human beings is that we always experience an emotion before we experience a thought. That is scientifically proven, you know, it's like you sitting in your car and you hear a, a, uh, another car backfire. Sometimes we'll hunch down in our seat and we'll look around like, what the heck was that? And then your brain says, calm down, dude. It was another car backfiring. Sure. Right. Now, the emotion causes my heart to raise. I begin to look around, try to find out what's going on. And then logic kicks in and says, this is not a threat. So we all experience emotions before we experience thoughts. Now, sometimes depending on the severity of the emotion, that emotion can ride us for a while. And now we call that being emotionally hijacked. So most of the time when people are acting out or they're flipping out, they have been emotionally hijacked and the logic hasn't had the opportunity to even speak up. So when I approach a situation that is highly emotional, the main thing I want to do is not try to approach it with logic. It's like trying to talk to a great white shark on why it's a bad idea to not eat you. It's no logic. <laughs> That's not going to happen. You know, so when you're dealing with people who are emotionally hijacked, the main thing you want to do is reintroduce a thought pattern to them concerning that emotion. So a person's yelling and screaming and say, hey, look, man, I see you are very upset. 
Now I provided a stimulus of them being very upset. Their brain has to process the fact that they're very upset. Now I'm causing them to identify that they're being emotionally controlled. And then they might say something like, well, I'm not upset. And then it's kind of like, oh, so you do this all of the time. It's, and as a police <laughs> officer, I would say, man, it is a miracle that I haven't met you yet if this is your everyday activity. <laughs> you know, and then it's kind of like, well, I am kind of upset. And I say, hey, man, it's not illegal to be upset, man. People get upset all the time, man. Man, I'm upset that I had to come to work today. And I, I introduce a little humor. And the bottom line is that it's a non-judgmental recycling that emotion. And then once they address their emotion, now I can move into the logical phase. All too often, when someone's emotional, we try to go straight to logic and that never works. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let's put this into a different context for me, right? With my, with my 16, oh, she's 18 now, but when she was 16, <laughs> right. right. But, but, you know, I'd sit there and go, you're not, you're not thinking it through. And, and she wasn't, and I didn't know how to cross over that barrier. So is, is that the main technique is to, is to inject logic, but, but validate the emotion? No, you, va- you don't inject, you validate the emotion first. Cause look, look, when you say you're not the, Look, so, so like, you know, you've met my wife, dude, right? <laughs> I, I, not a, listen, I am not walking down this path and getting hey, trouble hey, over this show, brother. I'm telling I, you. Look, Rick, man, I, I, I pray, man, excellent success in every single thing that you do, but I hope that she's not a listener today. <laughs> <laughs> so she can get very emotional. So if I was to say, if she would say, this happened and this happened and this happened, and in my mind, logically, I know that. No, it didn't, right? The right. moment I say, no, that didn't happen, what I am saying or what I'm, I'm doing is devalidating her emotion, saying you're wrong for feeling the way that you feel because she don't see that she's wrong in what she's saying. When I say that, she feels she's wrong in what she's feeling. Okay. So I don't address it, and, and I'm not trying to find a right or wrong. It's like, oh, you always do this. So this is the key. When you hear words always, never, or generalizations, that's usually emotional because that's not logic. Yeah. In fact, I teach that uh, in, in my making emotional conversations unemotional, but I go. try to get people to, to use facts versus accusations, right? So this is more, you know, instead of saying, well, you never approve my project. It's like, you know, eight out of the last 10 projects I brought to you were declined. Can you help me understand why, right? It, it's, it's getting to that piece. But I've never really had to deal with the situation of walking into, say, a firestorm that I'm sure you you walked into 60, 70 times a day as a police officer. And then also, you know, let's talk about this for a second a little culturally as well, is is right now, too, there, there seems to be a lot of anti-police type of movement, yes. um, not understanding what it is that, you know, you guys go through. So I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, it, it is. It is crazy. The whole anti-police thing. So so it's almost like the guy or the girl. Let's use the girl. It's like the girl who has been kissing a lot of frogs trying to find Prince Charming and she's just tired of kissing frogs. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what it looks like in the news media when it comes to police departments, because they always present you with the frog. Every single time you turn on the television, you got to kiss a frog. Yeah. And, 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 and at that point, the next person you run across, they might not be the frog that you saw on TV, but they sure is wearing a frog's uniform. Mm. And all of that, that information, all of those thoughts, all of those emotions and everything like that are directed at that person. So let me tell you what happened, used to happen when me, I pull a person over. Hey, how you doing today? And the first thing he says, I hate cops. Yeah. And I smile and I say, you know what, man? You definitely got something in common because I hate cops too. You know what? <laughs> How about this? How about me and you become friends or I'm going to have to call a whole bunch of more cops here to help me and you don't like them. I don't like them. And man, we both going to be more upset, dude. So how about this? And that's how I used to start that out. And, and usually they give me a laugh or something like that. Like, oh, you seem like you wanted the cool ones. I'm like, well, you know, I hope so, man, you know. Uh, and then we continue on with the conversation. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> the main thing that happens, though, Rick, is that we tend to escalate situations. We become different at all communication, whether I'm talking to, you know, whether you're talking to your daughter, whether you're talking to whoever, the moment that, you know, emotion is brought into it, 
uh, it's either going to be one or two things. The person's going to withdraw within themselves or they're going to lash out at you. One of the two. Now, the thing is, is that when they lash out at you, uh, we, you know, if someone punches you, you, you go on a defense. Yeah. And that's normal. It's normal in communication. Like you said, we always do this and you always do that. And at that point, I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm sorry you feel that that always happens. And I can imagine if, if something always happened to me, I'd probably be pretty frustrated like you are right now. You know, and, and I apologize if I've made you feel that way. But, you know, uh, let's talk about it a little bit more. Um, right now, how can I service you? Or how, how, how can we resolve this right now? Let's say hey, we have a clean slate right now. How can we resolve it? Because the always statement I can easily come like, well, no, not always, because like you said, this, this happened and this happened and this happened. So you're wrong. And basically what I'm telling them, even though I'm presenting a fact, now I'm telling them all in a certain way, you're stupid for feeling that way. Cause obviously you, you don't need to feel that way. And you're choosing to feel that way. And we really don't choose our emotion. We don't choose it. Our emotions kind of pop up and we get to choose if it rides us, but we don't choose if we feel it or not. Because if I can say that, hey, feel extremely happy right now, snap, yeah, well, I'm not feeling that way. That means I don't control it. You know? That's <laughs> Just- amazing. Yeah, because, you know, what's interesting, and, you know, I, I, I bet this even, you know, somebody said this to you. So if you are a, a leader, trainer in de-escalation, that doesn't mean you always are successful in de-escalating yourself, right? Because we are human emotional beings. Exactly. Man, I'm glad you said that. Look, every successful point of de-escalation, it begins with you every single time, every single time. Because if somebody needs to be de-escalated, they're fired. Now, either you're going to be the gasoline or the water. And sometimes we can walk in with a gasoline mindset. And until we change that, nothing's happening. That's no. incredible. So let's, uh, let's unpack that a little bit more when we come back from break. You're listening to Rick Morris and the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program. 
at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the work-life balance. And we're back uh, with our third segment. Uh, and, and I apologize if I sound a, l- a little rushed. Uh, you know, Daryl was starting an argument with me in the break and I had to de-escalate him. So no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> when you can de-escalate a de-escalator, then, you know, you know, you got solid. But, you know, that, that, that comes to an interesting question and point for us, though, Daryl. You, know, it, it, you see it on every resume, right? Uh, I have great communication skills. I'm a good communicator, right? I, I, I excel at, at talking to people. Um, how, I mean, you've come up with a way to really tell or, or help judge that, but how do I know if I'm a good communicator? Man, that's, I love it, man. Like, okay, so that is the big, one of the biggest misconceptions, you know, that people think about themselves is number one, I'm a good communicator. Number two, I'm a good driver. And most of the people, <laughs> people are wrong. You know, they, they, <laughs> most of the time, People are wrong. And I, I think this, Rick, I think that people feel as though because they have a command on the English language or whatever language they speak, they feel like the more command that I have over my language, the better communicator I am. Or they feel as though, hey, I, 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 I've taken a lot of communication courses and all of these, all of these things. And they feel as though I've done this. I've read this. I'm a good communicator. There's one way. Well, I ain't going to say one. This is a way to find out if a person is a good communicator. Number one is to ask questions. And number two is to observe results. So if you don't ask questions or observe results, you may be confident in what you said and it may sound very well. But the the question is, did you communicate it? And did the other person receive it in a manner in which you desire to unpack it and deliver it? Because if you don't find out by asking the question, how do you understand that? Because one time, it's almost like when me and Monica are talking, I'm like, hey, you understand what I'm saying? And she says, yes. And then I got to think, does she understand it her way? Or does she understand it in the manner in which I desire to unpack it and deliver it? Because it depends that's what, on what the topic is, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so so the, the biggest thing are to ask the questions and then literally observe results. So if I say I need this, 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 this done, and I need it done in these particular ways, and I need it done by this time and all of this kind of stuff, and then I ask a question, are there any questions? And they say no. And I walk away saying, I'm a hell of a communicator. No, they just maybe perceived it in a way that you didn't think that they perceived it. And they don't have any questions because they really think that they understood what you said, but you don't know it or not. And then when you observe the results, you see and recognize they didn't understand a word I said. So as you're talking about uh, asking questions, there's there's types of questions that you that you ask. You've really done a lot of research and understanding of what those types of questions are. Yes. Yes. Now, okay. so it's five questions. I'm going to try to run through this real quick. Okay. so that's five questions. You know how sometimes people ask you a question just to make a point. They really don't want to know. Right. That, that drives me crazy. You know, they want to make a point. They're like, so, so what were you really thinking? Do you think they really are interested in what you're thinking? They want to make a point that they feel that you're stupid, right? <laughs> you know, uh, there's another question that people ask is a can I trust you question. In other words, I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask you to see if you're going to tell me the truth. Now, that's not the trueness of a question. It's kind of like, so... Are, 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 so how long were you there the other day? And you already know the answer. But this is a can I trust you question, seeing if you're going to tell me the truth. So that's not the trueness of a question. And then there's the conversation of questions. Hey, how are you doing? The person really isn't interested. But sometimes we'll give them an answer as though they are. This is just a communicative topic. Hey, I'm fine. Or, hey, things are what they are, but let's move on from there. It's not a place to stay if it's a conversational question. And then you have the agree with me questions. Hey, man, who is the best basketball player of all time? Right? So let's say me and Rick are going back and forth, man. Who's the better football team? Tennessee Bulls or Obama? Right? Easy. Easy. Now you're crossing over territory. Hey, and Rick is like, Rick's like, you know what? And you call up somebody that you know, 
that you know is probably going to agree with you, or maybe you don't know. And yeah. it's a, do you agree with me? Hey, who do you think are the better team? You're really not interested in them. You, you just want to agree with me question. But the trueness of a question should be what I call a number five, a five top, top five level question. Um, and that is the question to where you are actually asking an admission of your own level of ignorance and actually submitting to that person's uh, information. Sure. You know, so you're, you're, you're saying I'm ignorant to this and I'm going to submit to your knowledge. And that is the trueness of a question. But sometimes we answer every single question as though it's acts under that matter. And, and most of the time it's under the other four. You know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, I'm getting texts right now too from, from listeners saying, you know, Hey, I just wrote a blog post about this or, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, in my, in my book, um, uh, Project Management That Works, I talk about qualifying the question. So okay. almost, you know, asking what the intention of the question is. So for, for example, um, reason why I even talk about it is, is I got in trouble because my boss said, Hey, how's it going? And, you know, I just simply answered, it's fine. Right. You right. pay me to handle issues that I'm handling them. I got in right. trouble because I didn't list all, you know, 40 issues that were going on because I didn't think it was necessary. Right. So then the second, uh, my second boss comes in and says, how's it going? And so I list the 40 issues while I got in trouble because she didn't think I had a handle on all of them. And I was like, good gracious, dude, what do I do? So yeah. I came back with a question and, and here's how it played out. So I've been doing this question for, for years now, but now I'm riding up the elevator with the CIO we were hired to come in and, and help solve the situation. And so he said, how's it going? And so I came back with, do you want to know all the issues or just that I'm on top of them all? And go. he looked at me and said, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what I was asking. I was just making small talk. I said, I just didn't want to answer a question in, incorrectly, sir. So everything's fine. And I can tell you the issues when, when you're ready to hear them. But right. uh, yeah, instant credibility with, the, with that gentleman by asking that question back. Isn't that crazy? Like sometimes literally, you know, when people ask questions, we automatically in our mind term it or, or view it as this person is submitting to my knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Me everything. And they're really not always asking that kind of question, you know, and it's interesting. People say, well, hey, can you tell me about this? And I'll simply say, hey, do you want me to tell you what time it is? You want me to tell you how the clock works? And wow. it's kind of, oh, wow. Well, you know what? Just tell me what time it is. And I give them a simple answer. They're really not submitting to my knowledge. And certain people are like, you know what? I'm really interested in that. Break it down, man. Tell me how the clock works. Well, that person is saying, I'm ignorant to it. Please tell me, you know, what you, what you think or, or, you know, what you've experienced. So it, it is it is very interesting. And I can recall a lot of interesting conversations during some hostage negotiations to whereas I had to ask all of these types of questions. And that's where I got it from is the type of questions I had to ask while I'm on the line with someone on the other end who's thinking about doing something really bad. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I wanted to tie another quote uh, for you. Uh, when, when we were at Leadership, some Rachel Hollis, right, who, who wrote uh, Girl, Wash Your Face, um, she made a statement that just stuck with me. She said, you know, in today's day and age of, of knowledge gathering on, on the Internet, ignorance is simply a choice. Yes. Wow, right? It and that tie, that tie right in. But you have to be willing to submit and, and ask a question. And there's nothing more frustrating for me just personally being hired as a consultant to come in and solve a problem, but they don't want to hear, you know, right. They, they don't ask the questions. They don't care what the answers are. They just want you to validate, right. So they're hiring you so you could say, Oh no, you guys are awesome. That's a great job. It's like, what do you, what do you want us to really find here? Yeah. They, they're hiring you to say that they hired you. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a rubber stamp, right? Hey, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Our squared seal of approval. I, I, I've gone through that when it comes to leadership training or something, you come in and, Obviously, they already know everything about leadership. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, great. How was that working out for you? <laughs> you know, How was that working out? You know, people, I'll contact people. Oh, we don't need any leadership training. Okay, well, great. You know what? Um, how has your department changed in the past six months? What, you know, when you were at one point, what, what particular leadership practices did you exercise in order to get to where you are right now? 
and they have no clue. Oh, they just know that they're doing it the right way. I, you know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, I, you know, one of the things that's always impressed me about John is his willingness to submit, even though, right, and I speak of John, John Maxwell, you know, his willingness to, when he's sitting across other leaders, to have, you know, 10, 15 questions on the ready because he's submitting to their knowledge. And that's how you become a guru. A guru never stops learning. That is a fact. And the thing is, is that, you know, uh, questions are, look, this is what I know, man. The more I learn stuff, the more I realize how ignorant I am. To oh, man. Things. Yeah. Oh, my God. It is crazy. Especially when it comes to, one of the misused, most misused things or quotes or statements that I hear is people saying, oh, I know that person. No, you don't. Mm. You may be acquainted with them. You may have an association with them. But do you really, unless you spent significant time in deep uh, communication or high-level communication, you don't know them. You know of them. You may, you know, uh, they might be a friend. But ask yourself, really, how many people, and, and I can actually say how many people you know, but ask yourself, really, how many people truly no, 100% the unmasked you. You know, um, this this dovetails into a story that we were talking about at your, at your wedding and something that I'm pursuing. So I'm not going to give the details, but I worked side by side with a guy, traveled with the dude, been to his house. He's been to my house. And it turns out he was he's been charged, not convicted yet, of some horrific crimes. Right. And I called... I called a, a, a guy that, that, that I'm acquainted with that was his best friend from kindergarten up until the time that he got arrested, and none of us knew anything about what was happening. So, I mean, that's, that's the illustration of, dude, how, do you, how well do you really know somebody? Exactly. And see, this, I mean, when you really look at it, it really ties into the fullness of our communication. So, if no one really knows well, if we don't really know each other the way we may think. And how do we automatically assume we know what one another are saying? Yeah. And what's the motivation behind it? Or, you know, when they say one thing, you comprehended another, knowing you have different backgrounds. What does that mean to them in contrast to what does it mean to you? Do you really know what they're saying? And, and the context I, behind it. Yeah, that's why I say in order to know if you're a good communicator, you have to ask questions or observe results. That's the only way you really, really, really know if you're a good communicator or not. So we're going to take a break right here. We'll be right back and, and finish this, this segment out. But Daryl, man, I feel like we could talk for, for hours on this mm-hmm. subject. And you almost opened up this whole Twitter thing in my head. And we're not, gonna even, we're not even going to go there. But we'll be right back after this break with the great Daryl Rivers from The Lead Company. You're listening to Rick Morris and the Work-Life Balance. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late. On budget is now too expensive. And today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies, a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality so you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management from CA. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management. 
the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA project and portfolio management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the final segment of the work-life balance on this Friday afternoon. You know, it's, it's funny, Daryl, I get, I get real-time texts. So I'm getting texts right now saying, first of all, that we got to bring you back for part two, point, part three, part four. Right, um, right. Even better uh, for our audience, if you don't know, we do have a Zoom option. And you can find that on rickamorris.com uh, to, to watch this live. And, and one of the live uh, watchers was, was asking, did you see the people walking behind Daryl taking in like a TV? And <laughs> So that's a shout out to your lovely wife and uh, and your your son, so we could say hello to them. But uh, right. hey, how do people get in touch with you, Daryl? Um, they can shoot me an email, call me. Um, our website is really simple. It's www.theleadcompany.org. Theleadcompany.org. Um, on there, they can find. Uh, our, our email addresses, they can find actually our business line. Uh, they want to mail anything, they got our, our mailing address, the whole nine. You know, we have always have something going on. Like right now, I'm actually having a communications course coming up in April. Uh, it's an online course uh, and it's a five week course, you know. So uh, Monday through Wednesday, they'll get lessons uh, every night, Monday through Wednesday. And then Thursday, it'll be a live lesson where they can ask questions. And we want to do that for five weeks straight, man. It's amazing nice. about it. And so they can sign up for that through the website? Yeah, you just go onto the website and hit register. Now, when you, when people, what happens is people go to register. And so I, li- I literally put like my year calendar up uh, from classes that are registration open. So they'll go in and just got to look and see the date and, and look at the actual class that they want. So it's classes from all over the United States, but this one is the only online course that I have going on. Outstanding. Congratulations on that. Thanks, brother. What, um, what is some of the best advice you've ever received? Oh, wow. Some. I, I can say that one that I can truly live by that I exercise on a regular basis is, is man, never argue with a blind man about what you can see wow and man i tell you what <laughs> and then when it, when it, when i look at it, when i hear that it's not it's not a physically blind statement sure you know I, I just don't argue with blind people you know if i see it and you don't then great you know it's no it's no it's no point because you're not going to see it you know, it, whether it's you don't see my point, you don't see my philosophy, you don't see my idea, you don't see my action, you know, whatever it is that you don't see, it's no point in arguing with a blind man about what you see. And man, it is the most freedom giving, stress free kind of thought process that, man, I just, I just live by it. I really do. And I love that idea. And it makes a lot of sense. In fact, I'm, I'm thinking of how to apply it already. So um, <laughs> what about, so, so you know, anything that we didn't cover that you would love the audience to, to know, this would be a good time for that. Oh, uh, we, we cover quite a bit. Um, yeah, we did. Oh, uh, I'm an author, wrote two books. Uh, the, those books are available on the website, www.theleadcompany.org. Um, what are the books? Uh, the, uh, More Than a Servant, which is actually a, a Christian book, um, talks about how to live out your faith 
um, in the workplace. You don't have to blast Christian music and walk around with a, a Bible taped to your forehead, you know, like some people do. <laughs> that can be offensive. You know, it's, it's basically like live out your, your, your faith to cause people to ask you questions like, how do you remain so calm and how are you so productive and how are you doing this? And now they're opening up the window. Um, and my second book is called Learning to Love Your Mondays. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because a lot of people hate Mondays. So, you know, I it all the time. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's my Monday. What does that mean? You know, so wrote a book about learning to love your Mondays and recognizing that Monday is an idea. That's all it is. Because guess what, man? If it's 75 degrees on Tuesday and 75 degrees on Monday, Tuesday, 75 degrees is really not better than Monday, 75 degrees. It's it not. Depends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to send you a book. Yeah, no, I have a book. I, just, I know you do. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know that. Uh, but, you know, but, but attitude being a mindset, right, is essentially yes. what you're saying. And attitude, yes. you know, having the opportunity to choose your attitude um, in, in the connotation in which you see things is really what that is. I tease you, but that's, that's really what I, you're going after. Right on, man. And I, te- I tease you because I can't. You, you definitely can. Of all the people on the planet, you definitely have the, I can tease Daryl, get out of jail free card, man. Well, <laughs> at least online, because you'll arm bar me if we're in Orlando <laughs> and we do that stuff. But uh, just to just to prove, if, first of all, like I'm, I'm what, a, a, a solid foot taller than you? About that, easily. And, and, and we were messing around at your house and you, you were showing me something, man. And <laughs> I, I promise you this, nobody messes with Daryl Rivers. That's, that's well, one thing I that, well, you had a couple of them that, that definitely did. That's good. <laughs> yeah. But you know. they got the wrong end of that stick, though. Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! I, in Detroit, they definitely tested it just about every day, you know. Uh-huh. But hey, it, it, it is definitely uh, part of the job there, man. But it definitely does. Uh, it really develops temperament because you just get tired of conflict, man. Yeah, I hear that. So listen, man, I I love you for being on the show. I love you as a brother. Um, Can't wait to see you again in March. Hopefully some of the people listening are are wondering what March is and you can join Daryl. You can join myself and and several other of our John Maxwell team members uh, and and visit the the johnmaxwellteam.com to find out why or certainly reach out to me or Daryl if you'd like to know anything more about the John Maxwell team, how you can join and how you can be with us in at the, the IMC in March in Orlando. So if you're looking for a reason to go to Orlando, we'll give you one. Uh, Daryl, thank you, brother, man. We got to have you back. You, you promise that? I do promise that, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, man. Rick, you're an awesome guy, man. If, if you guys uh, don't know uh, Rick as well as you probably should, then you probably should get to knowing Rick a lot better. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Love you much, man. And uh, hopefully you got more than just listeners here, man. People who actually really follow you, man. Uh, that we do follower man love you much brother love you bud and uh next week we're actually going to be doing a replay uh as i head to uh prague uh with my lovely wife on our on our anniversary um and uh got some work out there so we're turning that into a little anniversary trip so i will not be live next friday uh but we will be rejoining you back here uh on the 20 or i believe it's march 1st Uh, with another show right here, The Work-Life Balance. Please continue listening to the Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you hanging out with us today, and we'll talk to you in two Fridays. Right on. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 